I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Rivka. And we have a very special guest today to talk about the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that special guest is none other than my beloved spouse, eternal companion, best friend, Deanna. Oh, quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You bet. Awesome. Uh, in a way, you've been on the podcast before, but in a way, um, you and Rivka's deep talk discussions, gospel discussions late at night sort of spawned this long, long ago mm-hmm. in a land far, far away. So That's why I love listening to the podcast because I just get to hear you guys talk about it. Yeah. Oh, and I'm awesome. so glad you're on it. <laughs> well, um, Rivka, what's going on in your life? Anything new to report? Well, we enjoyed our time in Mexico immensely. Um, Good. Yes, it was a fantastic, wonderful trip. The weather was nice. The you know the things we went and did were enjoyable. We just absolutely loved getting to, um, to be around and interact with the people down there too. They're fantastic, fun, welcoming people. Um, at least in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which is all of Mexico I know. <laughs> but those particular people, um, just yeah, we had a fantastic time. They were wonderful, um, and awesome. uh, and I always love getting to um, explore a new part of the world where I've never been. So, indeed, Deanna yes. and I love that as well. Yes. So, speaking of weather, um, yes. <laughs> we are. Very close to General Conference, and right now we're watching snow fall outside <gasps> our window right Are now. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I'm not very happy about it. It's terrible. That does we're... feel unfair. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> but such is life. Life is unfair. We had some beautiful March weather, like 60s and sunny on a few days. and yeah. um, But, you know, that's always a Wisconsin fake out, right? It, yeah. It I comes in. And, until yeah, we get, you like, can't. June. It's, no, you can't believe. It's true. So. Well, that probably wasn't that long ago, was it? Because I know my brother lives a couple hours from you. And this last week, they sent pictures kind of sunning themselves in the backyard with some magical, you know, early spring sunshine. Indeed. Although in the upper Midwest, that can be deceptive, as you recall, Rivka. I do. If it's 40 degrees and sunny, you might still be out on your deck sunning yourself. Yes. Um, because... That's 40 degrees colder than, you know, warmer than it was the day before. So. It's true. Yeah. I think they said it was closer to 60, but we did have a good chuckle at that because they were just like, yes. this feels glorious. And so <laughs> take what we can get. Yep. Yes. Well, Deanna, anything, uh, do you want, maybe you should report on what is going on in Aaliyah's life for well, us. Aaliyah is super excited. She <laughs> had transfers this week. And she got to go to Tempe and be companions with her MTC companion. And she, it's Hermana Gasparoni, and she just loves her to death. And she actually had said 
after she left the MTC. She was like, I really want to be companions with her again later on in our missions after we both have like grown and learned some things. And so she's super, super excited. Yeah. And um, Sister Hermana Gasper- Gasparoni is a convert, She right? is, yeah. So she'd been a member of the church for how long before she went on her mission? Like a year I or feel something? like it was a year, yeah. max of a year, yeah. And they're both the same age in the mission. They've been out five and a half, almost yes, six months six now. Months, so yeah. um, they'll be sort of out on their own, no one who's a comp who's been who's older or more experienced or better with the language or anything like that. So it's going to be awesome. She's really looking forward to it. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We're excited to get to talk to her again on Monday and get the latest update. So, so with that, we'll move into our talk today, um, which is called miracles of the gospel of Jesus Christ by elder Carlos G. Um, and I would assume you say this Revio. Revio Jr. of the 70, probably pronounced it wrong. I read these. I don't usually re-watch or listen to them, so I never hear the announcement of, of the name. So I always get the pronunciation wrong. But <laughs> So, you know, you do what you can. Um, <clears throat> so let's start with Rivka today. Rivka, what did you find the fundamental doctrine to be? So it's funny because the title of this talk is talking about the miracles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I don't feel... I didn't feel like this talk was um, like obviously about miracles. Usually when they're titled that, they talk about New Testament miracles or, you know, healings and that kind of stuff. Um, But this one, I felt like what he was saying was the gospel of Jesus Christ is a miracle, like that we have Mm. it as miraculous. So the... um, The part that I wanted to share for this, the quote says, as we live and obey the principles and ordinances of the gospel, we are blessed, changed, and converted to becoming more like Jesus Christ. So that was sort of the, I don't know, underlying doctrine or the overarching theme of this talk for me is that that the miracle for us is, is that we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we live it, um, you know, miraculous things happen. Or maybe yeah. just we become we become the miracle, you know, that we can improve to a point beyond what we would be able to do ourselves. I love it. I think there's been a lot of talks like that this conference where the title said one thing and the talk said something else. <laughs> and um, it's it's interesting at first, and then it helps me to sort of see where they were going with the talk. Yeah. Um, to ponder on the title. So, Deanna, what did you think the fundamental doctrine was? So that is exactly what I (laughs) underlined. I will (laughs) cast my vote for that. And then I guess I'll just add in that at the end of that same paragraph, just going along with it. He said, the gospel is truly the way to a happy, abundant life. And I Mm. just goes along with that. Like it truly is the way there's so much potential in it. If we will fully embrace it and live it and have faith in it. Yeah. Burke always agrees with Rivka too. Well, so. this is a good life principle for all of us. <laughs> well, do you feel like that just happens with whoever gets to go first because they get to pick the Maybe. most obvious one? That's true. Maybe That's true. Yeah. That's an excellent point. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a guest um, on the podcast though who's a bit of a contrarian, and we'll just like pick a random obscure sentence and say that's the fundamental. <laughs> Maybe maybe Lawson, our, <laughs> maybe Lawson, our yeah. son, likes to be a contrarian. He does, indeed. 
Who does he get that from? <laughs> Not me. So the fundamental doctrine, um, I thought, here's what I thought the fundamental doctrine was. The fourth article of faith, which he did not quote, but he structured the whole talk around. Yeah. He said, so I'm going to read it. We believe that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, repentance. Third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. Fourth, laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I think I also, despite my earlier protest, agree with you, Rivka, that uh, the miracle is is us and the process we go through as we implement those principles. So, and of course that's because of the miracle of, of Christ and um, you know what he can do in our lives. So um, that's what stuck out to me as I read through, I was like, he's just like just using mm-hmm. the article of faith to structure his talk. So mm-hmm. um, let's pause on our fundamental doctrine uh, Deanna, mm-hmm. what is a happy, abundant life? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like everybody could probably have a different answer mm-hmm. for that. I feel like my answer for that has changed throughout my life, depending mm-hmm. on where I'm at. And as my understanding of the gospel has changed, and as my understanding of myself has changed and the things that I value and want, um, I think, I guess if I were under pressure as I am now to have to come up with a, a, an answer, I guess I would say um, that to me, this is my opinion, that a happy, abundant life by following the gospel is the opportunity to have our agency, use our agency to learn and grow and progress into our personal best selves who we need to and can become in order to live with Heavenly Father again. So in a way, um, the happy abundant life is what we just talked about, that sort of progress or change over time that happens with the gospel. The the becoming part, I think, is just so... Becoming. So important. Awesome. Um. So this is why I'm married to you and um, why we make a good team. Because involuntarily, when I asked you the question, the first thing I thought of was ribs. So (laughs) of course, I thought that makes for a pretty happy, abundant life is some really good ribs. So Uh, yeah, I think I need to find a deeper purpose (laughs) for my happy, abundant life. But I kind of think Burke would back me up on that a little bit. <laughs> 100% no, he would back you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. That certainly sprinkles in some abundance and <laughs> happiness in life, but, yes, you know, might you, not get you all the way there. <laughs> let your soul delight in fatness, right? Well, Rivka, um, he does start out with some more specific miracles, some numerical miracles. So, tell us a little bit about his description of the Philippines. Um, don't you just feel his absolute love for the people in that country when he talks? Yes. I, I love it. Um, so he says this year marks 60 years since the first missionaries arrived in the islands of the Philippines. Today, there are 23 missions and more than 800,000 members of the church in 123 stakes. 
There are now seven temples in operation, under construction, or announced. I think he's not counting the one that's then announced at the end of this conference, right? So is that number eight? I think if I, I did not check uh, on that. Yeah. So. yeah, I think it's so. I think actually it's eight. But when he, it, that's in wow. three more talks, there's another one that's announced. <laughs> <laughs> so spoiler alert. Um, okay, there are now seven temples in operation, under construction, or announced. This is truly a miracle. We are witnessing the fulfillment of the prophecy in Second Nephi, chapter ten, verse twenty-one. Great are the promises of the Lord unto them who are upon the isles of the sea. That's amazing. That's incredible in 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And how many people does the church have altogether? Are we 17 or 18 million now or something? I, I'm not even sure. I don't keep track. But to have almost a million of those just in the Philippines, yeah. it's astounding. That's incredible. Yeah. So truly a miracle. So he, he is absolutely right. Um, and I think all of us are the generation of, uh, from when Elder or President Hinckley was, um, of course, there were other prophets during our lifetimes, but he sort of had a big part in our young adulthood and was very sort yes. of beloved and influential. So anytime I get a President Hinckley quote, I just, <laughs> I love to hear it. And I can almost, I didn't, you know, he didn't uh, play a clip or anything, but I can almost hear, you know, his voice mm-hmm. and his cadence and the, the way he speaks and yeah. um, just how he prayed for many, many thousands who shall receive this message and be blessed thereby um, and prayed for receptive hearts and minds. So yeah, just an incredible, incredible thing that has happened over the past 60 years. So um, Deanna, anything else stand out to you about that first section where he's talking about those miracles that have occurred? I just thought it was amazing. I mean, it's astounding those numbers. I look at even the gospel, like in our area here, you know, and I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I just, oh, I wanted to really wanted to have my brother, Brian, join us because he served his mission in the Philippines. Yeah. Brian, answer your text, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and what was that? Like 20, been more than 20 years, yeah, probably 20 plus years. So I was, I just would have loved to get his perspective on this. And I'm curious how much has changed even just in the last 20 years, you know, of that 60 of how much it's grown and expanded. And it's just, it's just so beautiful. Um, And he talks about this later in the talk, but I mean, the way you get to what he talks about in the beginning is the individual stories that he shares of like one person, like his dad who chose to, obey the word of wisdom and make changes in his life and do the things he needed. And one person makes a difference that generations that come after them, you know, it builds to something amazing like that. Yep. And like other Bednar likes to say, you know, it's the gospel is about one by one, but then you're a whole group of ones. Mm -hmm. And so now there are 800,000 ones who all made that decision. Yeah. So, um, awesome. I love it. Well, Rivka, what else stood out to you from this talk? He shares the story of the Obadoza family, um, Mm -hmm. who was his branch president when he was a young man. And the sacrifice that they made to go to the temple, Burke and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. They, They sold their house. I know. They sold their house. Like to go to, and Burke and I were like, where do you live when you get back? 
Like that, mm-hmm. they're not moving to the temple to live there forever. That is that is a staggering sacrifice. Yeah. Not just made me feel a bit guilty yeah. about how I feel like I'm sacrificing so much because like, oh, it takes a whole, a whole day to go day. to the temple. It's like, oh, it's two and a half hours there and two and a half hours back. And I'm like, yeah, I got didn't have to. <laughs> I'm not sacrificing. The well, and what's amazing is it's not just the sacrifice of the house, but the incredible amount of trust that yes. they that they placed in God. Because I have no doubt this was this was directed by spiritual promptings, you know? And so to, because that's how these things work. So to have, have the spirit be like, this is the thing you probably should do. And, and then to do it and think, well, we're technically homeless now, but the Lord will provide, right? That it's staggering. And then he says they were sealed as a family for time and all eternity in the temple in 1985. In the temple, they found joy incomparable, their priceless pearl. And true to Brother Obedoza's word, the Lord did provide. On their return from Manila, kind acquaintances gave them a place to stay, and they eventually acquired their own home. The Lord takes care of those who demonstrate their faith in Him. That is a powerful paragraph. It was to me when I heard it the first time. I actually remember that particular paragraph, and in studying it again, um, for two reasons. One, um, when he ends it with the Lord takes care of those who demonstrate their faith in him. What pops into my head very first is the scripture from the revelation given in Doctrine and Covenants section 133, where it says, there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of the world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to the law upon which it is predicated. So he takes care of those who demonstrate their faith in him because he can. When we use our agency, it gives him the ability to pour out his blessings. And then secondly, that so much of those blessings, um, so many of those blessings came through the people that were around them and who they knew. It says their acquaintances gave them places to stay. And that's so often how the Lord blesses us is, is through others. And that was no small thing, because if you recall earlier, you know, in the previous paragraphs, he said they were a family of nine. Yeah. So it's not like just this couple who would stay quietly out of your way. That's two people and seven kids. Yeah. And I, when I was reading that this last time, it also struck me that blessing, that is true what it says, the Lord takes care of those who demonstrate their faith in him. But it's like, we don't choose how that happens. And sometimes I think it can be hard for us to recognize. So what I was thinking when I read that is I'm like, yes, they have some awesome friends that are willing to have nine people come and stay with them. And that's amazing. Yeah. Also for me, what I was thinking is like, that would be really hard for me to be on the receiving end of that. Like that would take a lot of humbling for me Yeah. to be in that position and feel like I'm a burden on someone else. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, it, it's not always that the Lord, like they didn't come back from the temple and have this beautiful house waiting for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, and he doesn't say how long that is. It says, and they eventually acquired their own home. Like, I don't know what period of time this is. So it's a period of, you know, humility and people with doing great service. And I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's not like we always get, taken care of with this beautifully gift wrapped blessing, 
but that doesn't mean he's not taking care of us. That sometimes we have to look for how that's happening. And it, like you said, it's through other people and it sometimes takes time, but he is, he is doing it. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's wisdom and his part, because then not only did the Obadozas get to be, get to demonstrate their faith and be blessed, but so did all those who helped them and served them as they were getting resituated into a home. So, you know, by their initial act of faith, it, uh, it gave others the opportunity to use their agency to show faith. And maybe that's what it looks like when the Lord pours out his blessings and it affects so many more people than just maybe that, um, you know, central person or family of the story. Yeah. A good friend of mine used to love to say that the Lord's purpose is not to be efficient. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the most efficient way to do that was, well, a, a house just falls into their laps, right? But the way that it actually happened of sort of staying with people, allowing that to be a blessing to them and them to be blessed by those other people um, and eventually working their way back to a house taught everyone, you know, a variety of principles and allowed those blessings to be distributed in a much more. And a lot, a lot of room for way. becoming yep, for a lot, a lot of people. Of room to yeah. Grow. Yeah. yeah. So I love that story. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so Deanna, the next, so that was under the principle of faith. Um, the next thing he talked about was repentance. What stood out to you in this section on repentance? Um, so I loved that he <clears throat> like actually had worked yeah. <laughs> at a soap yes. factory, like, chemical engineer because anyone could say like repentance is like like anyone could say like soap soap. yeah like but like he's got total credibility here (laughs) with with that so um how he likens that you know he says like soap repentance is a cleaning agent it allows us the opportunity to get rid of our impurities and our old debris so we are worthy to be with god as no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of god Um, And I think that's just such a beautiful principle, you know, I love, I don't know why, but for some reason, like um, when he said like old debris, sometimes, sometimes repentance isn't even about like these grave sins that we've committed, but also about like sloughing off some of our old self that wasn't necessarily evil or bad. But again, in the act of becoming, we're you know, just sloughing off the things that maybe are no longer serving us, no longer helping us in our progression. And so that's just a beautiful principle of by continually using repentance. It's just cleaning everything up and yeah, it's beautiful. And very in keeping with President Nelson's, um, yes. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Invitation for us to clear out the debris clear away in our the lives. Debris. Clear away the yeah. Debris. Yep. Absolutely. Aaliyah focused on that for so long. Yeah. Um, pre-mission, you know, really trying to clear out distractions from her life. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the reason I love, another reason I love that soap analogy is, you know, there's been a renewed emphasis on the joy of repentance and the idea that it's a good thing and that it might hurt at first, but uh, then it, you know, helps in the long run. So if you think about it like soap, who doesn't want to jump in the shower and clean off, right? I mean, other um, than some pre-teens. young teenagers. I was going <laughs> Every one of our kids what? has struggled with it. What but, adult you know? what? does not want, <laughs> as we grown and understood the value, I remember one of the first times I remember just how much I loved to shower was coming home from scout camp 
and uh just like getting in the shower and seeing the water basically like turn brown from dirt you know yeah. just like as all the grime comes off and you just feel so good and clean afterward um and it reminds me what you said about sloughing off deanna it reminds me of that um uh, story from i forget which of the chronicles of narnia but where aslan the lion comes in and um, basically with his claws, like tears oh, off yeah. the dragon skin mm-hmm. from Eustace. That's like itching him yes. and it hurts and it's uncomfortable, but he can't get it off himself. Yep. Yes. And, and how it's, you know, a very painful process, but at the end, such a wonderful relief. Yeah. And I, and I, I can picture that like a snake, you know, yep. it's skin that it gets rid of and regrows. Like I just, that I love that getting rid of the old debris, just thinking yeah. of like, parts of yourself that you that just like are disruptive and itch and you just want to yeah. get rid of them and you know the molting it's, that's it, a, that's a yeah, really good illustration of that because the stuff that the snake is molting wasn't problematic the whole time you know it was right. really really right. great for a good portion it of was it. protective for yeah. it for the period of time it had it yeah and then it's time to be done and to and right. to let that go, we have a hard time doing that sometimes, don't we? We get a little set in our ways. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to change, but yeah, I really appreciate that imagery you brought up. Yeah, and we, you know, think of snakes as um, because of the Garden of Eden story as <laughs> evil, but actually in the scriptures, they're sort of dichotomous, right? We just learned mm-hmm. about Moses' staff turning into a stake and come follow me, a snake. I said stake. <laughs> wow, you've got big problems. <laughs> Um, into a snake and then later, you know, he'll raise the brazen serpent. Mm -hmm. So it has this sort of dichotomous symbolism. Um, and I love that positive symbolism that you just pulled out of it. That's pretty awesome. Um, Rivka, anything else on the repentance part of it? Um, just that, um, he shares, it, just right after that, I'm trying to figure out where to start this. He he brings up the story of the Antinephi-Lehi's in the Book of Mormon and talks about how they were so completely converted, they did never fall away. And then he has a paragraph or two where he discusses the generational effects that, that their conversion, that their willingness to repent and convert had. And so it got me thinking this week about the generational effects of of the way that we shape our lives, um, whether we choose to um, turn toward our savior or whether we choose to turn away. Um, and he shares, this is brought up earlier, you know, about his father who, who, um, is that right here? No, oh, this is it's a different after. part. That's right. That's after. So he says, when we, uh, my family and many Filipino saints went through a similar conversion process. When we accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and joined the church, we changed our ways and our culture to align with the gospel. We had to let go of wrong traditions. And then he talks about his father um, quitting smoking and said, because of his decision to change four generations from him have been blessed. And that got me thinking about, um, you know, different cultural things that um, I 
I don't know, have accepted or adapted to, whether it's the secular culture or even just maybe um, cultural, like the things in the culture of my home that need changing. Because sometimes we just also, I, in our homes, get into patterns that could that could be changed or maybe served us before, but it's time to change. So that was another thing that I thought about a lot as I was pondering um, this talk for the last week or so is just this generational effect that the gospel, that our decisions about how to um, live or whether to live the gospel have in our families. Yeah. If I can expand on that a little, Ripka, I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about it a lot over the past few months. So um, I read a book by a guy named Kerry Muelstein, who is an Egyptologist at BYU. Um, I read a few of his books. The one I'm talking about is called God Will Prevail, and it's about the Abrahamic Covenant, something I've always wanted to study more. Really good book. Highly recommend it. Something that really struck me in that book is he talked about how often the Lord talks about saving his people, you know, saving Israel, saving Zion. So it's one of these gospel paradoxes, right? That it's the gospel is administered or ministered to, you know, and administered one by one, but the Lord also talks heavily about saving his people. And then as we look at, as we've read through the old Testament and we covered, you know, many, many generations in a relatively short amount of time, it just struck me how each generation sort of grows and, um, maybe to continue that analogy, like sloughs off that old skin and becomes better and better in each generation. Of course, sometimes there are steps back, but often, you know, there's like this generational step forward and President Nelson is leading us through something like that right now with this higher and holier way um, where we went from, um, you know, minister or home teaching to to ministering and, um, you know, uh, sort of to-do list checklist sort of method to, um, you know, more of a divine focus or a love focused um, method. And so to just sort of put a bow on that, I, I get to interview all the youth in the ward. Some of them just are astoundingly amazing. Uh, you can hear our answering machine in the background. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, that. we still own a landline and an answering machine. Um, <clears throat> and um, so Anyways, I, I had an interview with a, a youth in our ward the other night, and this youth's mother I know listens to the podcast, and, and she'll probably know what I'm talking about. But this young man would not even have been a deacon in years past because he's still not 12. And I was like blown away by his incredible, incredible spiritual maturity. Um like he's as mature at his age as I was at 18. You know, I was <laughs> at his age. All I thought about was video games and, you know, probably food. And, um, <laughs> which shocking, you, which I guess <laughs> is, yeah. I've gotten rid of the video games, but I guess <laughs> the food still is on the line. Um, and you know that, and that's not just him, but other youth in the war too are just so mature and advanced and, there's just this generational step forward that seems to happen. And as I think about, you know, Joseph Smith trying to like hurry up and help these, you know, older, fully grown adults mature enough just to give them the endowment before he dies. And here we have 18 year old kids going and getting their endowment, something that in Moses time was only given to 
you know, the high priest in the temple or, you know, the equivalent of Mm -hmm. the endowment. So it's just like these steps forward where now we have these incredible youth who are, you know, really the um, gathering Israel, just like President Nelson said, and who are, are, are just another step advanced. And it's just amazing to see that march through time. So, and, and he's describing that happening in the Philippines. So yeah, these are the miracles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like the title Indeed. says. <laughs> yes. Becoming one by one as a group. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go on um, to invitations and promises. After he talks about repentance, he says something brief about baptism um, and how that's a miracle. But let's go on to our, our invitations and promises. So Deanna, what invitations did you find in here? Uh, he says, I invite you to bring this miracle into your life. Come unto Jesus Christ and choose to exercise your faith in him. Repent and make and keep the covenants found in the ordinances of salvation and exaltation. This will allow you to be yoked with Christ and receive the power and blessings of godliness. Okay. So do you have anything to expound on with that? What, uh, or how has that invitation and promise played out in your life? Oh man, I think that that's an invitation that takes a whole lifetime to truly embrace. Right. I mean, cause like, like I said, it's foundations <laughs> of the gospel. It's all, yeah. it's all the stuff. Or as Burke likes to say, you know, uh, once I master faith and repentance, I'll, I'll answer that question. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Um, you know, like repentance is a lifelong thing and keeping our covenants is a lifelong thing. Um, and so it's something that takes our whole lifetime, but, um, I love the idea of, you know, as we repent that continual cleansing and renewal and keeping our covenants, um, I love, we had a sister in our ward give a talk years ago that has always um, stayed with me where she talked about covenants and it, in keeping it, it's like a way of, do you remember this? Of like sticking to this, like it, it hears us to the savior, like right. make in this stronger and stronger bond and adhesion. Us. Yeah. That like Seals connects us. us. Yeah. And I think that that happens as we keep our covenants and choose every day, you know, to do those things. It just makes everything stronger. And yeah. And I think as that happens, that's where that happiness and abundance comes in. We can see that in the long term when we're, when we're doing it and we see the not just, uh, you know, minute happiness that comes from a moment. But as you do that over years and years, you see the, the long-term true happiness and joy that comes from that. Definitely. Awesome. Rivka, anything to add to invitations and promises? He says, I know that his gospel can bring us hope, peace, and joy, not only now, but it will also bless countless others in future generations. That is the reason for the beautiful and warm smiles of the Filipino saints. It is the miracle of the gospel and the doctrine of Christ. So I think maybe we could all this week try to um, live the gospel 1% better, pulling in some previous talks, and (laughs) see if we can find for our own faces, you know, maybe we can find on our own faces a warm smile like the Filipino scenes. Oh, what a great way to end it. I love that. Perfect. Thank you, Rivka. Well, the next talk we're going to discuss is Look Down the Road by Elder Meredith. 
Um, and that it's going to be a great one. And in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and you can email using Words of the Prophets podcast, or you can email us at Words of the Prophets podcast at gmail.com. I'm uh, checking those things about once every six weeks. So I'm going <laughs> to keep trying to get better at that. That was Aaliyah's job, and I've done a poor job at filling in for her. Um, so I'm going to keep getting better. Um, so, and again, until then, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, until next time, keep the faith. Hola a todos, this is Dermana Ebert, and here are my thoughts on <clears throat> Miracles of the Gospel of Jesus Christ by Elders Carlos G. Revillo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that, but we're going to say it is. Um, so I love that he starts out by just kind of almost reviewing a, a brief history, like how far we've come moment for the um, saints in the Philippines. And he says that there are 800,000 members of the church in 123 stakes, and that there are 23 missions and seven temples. And that is so cool. And I like that he quotes a scripture in 2 Nephi that says, Great are the promises of the Lord unto them who are upon the isles of the sea. And so I'm serving a mission currently in Arizona. And I have the amazing opportunity to teach a lot of Latino people. People who move from Mexico, Guatemala, um, Colombia, Peru, Brazil. Actually, I don't teach a lot of Brazil, but there are some here. <laughs> and um, Argentina, lots of stuff. And so um, one thing that they really hammered into our heads a lot in the MTC was the scripture. I think it's in Doctrine and Covenants. But it says that the Lamanites shall blossom as a rose. And so, and they would say a lot that as, um, you know, people in Central America, they are descended from the Lamanites and that this is a fulfillment of that scripture, that the Lamanites are blossoming as a rose. And I can totally testify of that. And it's so cool to see um, so many more saints from those countries of the world. It's really awesome. Um, so I like that he talked about that because I didn't know a whole lot about the Filipino saints. Um, and then later he talks about the temple and how there was a family and their biggest desire was to go to the temple. And so they sold everything to make it there. And they said that took a lot of faith. But it says, in the temple they found joy incomparable, their priceless pearl. And I think that's awesome, that they gave everything up, and they, at the end, they deemed it worth it. They were like, yep, that was, that was good. It was an incomparable um, <clears throat> joy that they were able to find there. And so I thought that was really cool. And then he talks about repentance, and he says, repentance is a lot like soap. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they might go, what? <clears throat> but as a missionary, we use an object lesson a lot to teach repentance for kids by using soap. So it was super cool. I read it, and I was like, hey, that's what we, how we teach it. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, but yeah, repentance is a lot like soap, and we can just be washed clean over and over and over again, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, I like this talk. Miracles really do come from the gospel of Jesus Christ um, in many different ways, and I think it's awesome at the end he says that the gospel can bring us hope, peace, and joy, not only now, but for future generations. And I can... Um, 
I can see that in my own life because my ancestors who originally joined the church have they found hope and joy for them but also for me and because of all the sacrifices they made when they joined the church um, I was able to be blessed by it and I'm continuing to be blessed and blessing more generations so yeah those were my thoughts on that talk until next time guarde la fe If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.